Jeremiah chapter 18, starting with verse 1. And the word of the Lord reads, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Verse 3, when I went down to the potter's house, the writer says, and there was he, and, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. For the few moments that we have left, I want to talk about I'm in his hand. I'm in his hand. Hand. Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for where you are. God, I thank you for doing what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. All right. I'm in his hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. When we talk about the hand of God, most of us get happy and we dance and we shout and we run and we holler like most of you did just a few moments ago. Uh, when we talk about his hand, we talk about the hand that blesses us and the hand that rescues us and the hand that gives us and the hand that guides us, the hand that protects us, the hand that keeps us. Yeah, we, we get happy about all of those things and we glorify God and praise God for all of those things because he does all of those things. But God's hands also molds us. His hand corrects us. His hand remakes us. And it does it to the image that he desires. Now, I got to go ahead and just jump on into the white meat because we ain't got much time. And when 1 o'clock comes, everybody's car cranks up. So I want to make sure I get you out in time enough to get in your car before it leaves without you. You got to realize that there is never a time that God desires something and cannot have it. Now, I understand we have wills, we have choices. You know, I say most of the time, the most important gift besides Jesus that God gave man was the power of choice. But even with our power of choice, if God wants you, baby, God's going to get you. Well, Pastor, well, Pastor, wait a minute now. Now, now God was not, uh, uh, he will not overcome your will. He respects the will of man, so we got to choose him. If we don't choose him, he, he can't have us. No, yeah, I got you. God will not overstep your will, but God will make you willing. God will allow things in life to come on you and the face that you will one day say, okay, God. I hear you. Stop me when I start lying. Yeah, God will, will put us in situations. He will put us at crossroads. He will get us to a certain stage in life and we'll cope with making a decision. And God will say, baby, go right, go right, go right. Now, God, I'm going left. And we go left. 
and God lets us go our way and we think we're doing good. We think everything is going right. We think we made the right choice until we end up back in the same position that we were in and we're back at the crossroads. God said, go right. You didn't get it last time? Go right. God, I think I'd do better going left. We go left and we're doing good. Everything is fine. Everything and then stuff start going crazy. Still, people start acting crazy. People start lying on you. People start stealing from you. Money start getting funny and you find yourself at the crossroad again and God's saying, you ain't got the message yet. Go right, go right. God, I think I'll try left one more time. And, and we keep going left and going on around and, and walking and, and stuff getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And now our pep has left our step. And now we're dragging. Now we, we, we just get there back to the same place. The same crossroad. And after you've gotten your butt whipped for going left enough, finally God says, do you get the message now? And we say, I'll go. We celebrate being in the hand of the Lord. There, the, the, the scripture is replete with passages that talks about the hand of God. And if, if any man is put in my hand, no man can pluck you out. And we thank God about that. I, I'm in the hand of God and nobody can take me out. But let me tell you something. God's hand is always connected to God's will. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His will and his hand are connected. You can't have one without the other. But the problem is that many of us, even in this room, want the protection of his hand, but we don't want the direction of his will. We want God to keep us. We want God to make a way. We want God to open a door. We want God to bless our families and bless our jobs. We need a new car, God. The house getting raggedy. We need two or three more bedrooms. God, we need to move up. And God says, you can have it if you follow my will. And we say, hold on, God. I want your stuff, but I don't want your will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. God knows you. The hands of God are familiar to you by touch. You in God's hand, he's felt you, baby. He knows your shape. He knows the details of your form. Why is it that we think we can be so close to God and God can't see, hear, or smell us? I know, I know, I know. The average Christian think that God's blind. We got our hands up. God see me. I'm worshiping you. God see me. I'm praising you. But then we leave here and go to the bar and God don't see us. God sees us raising our hand, but then we leave out. God sees us shooting birds. Look at your neighbor and say, God know you. When you're in the hands of God, you're connected to the will of God. And we must realize that, that, the, that the goal of the potter is to change the shape of whatever's in his hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, Genesis, that ain't even my text. Genesis says that when, when God was ready to create something special, he didn't speak it. He spoke everything else in existence. And then when he got ready for man, he reached down and got clay, dust, dirt, 
Wet it up. God spit on you. Molded it and shaped you and fashioned you. If he made you, don't you think he know you? And God is in the process of molding us. God saying, when I created you, when I formed you, you were just a shell. Now this whole Christian process is me make is me forming you to what I see you are supposed to be. Oh yeah, yeah. There are a couple of points that I want to show you about the party in this text, and then I'm gonna be done. I'm going on to the house. All right, y'all with me? All right, all right. First thing is God already knew what He was making before His hands ever touched you. An artist always has a picture of what he's trying to create before he even puts pen to paper. A musician or a songwriter already hears the song before he ever sits to the keyboard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And God already knows what he, oh, yeah, I got to prove it. Y'all think I'm lying. Jeremiah 1, chapter, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 says, When the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I what? I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. That's before I formed you. I already knew what my plans were for you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God got plans. God's hand on your life and in your life is a confirmation of God's will for your life. His hand will not touch what his will has not ordained. Stop praying asking God to touch stuff that he had not ordained for you. And then you think God, God ain't answering my prayer. God ain't. God didn't ordain that for you. I know, I know. When prophets come and talk about, I see, I see three millionaires in the room. Oh, don't lie. All y'all sitting up there going, I hope that's me. <laughs> come on. But the truth of the matter is, God didn't ordain for everybody to be a millionaire. Well, why, why, Pastor? Because God say uh, the promises of God are yea and amen. Well, you can't handle that ten dollars. How you think God gonna get? Not in my notes. Once again, here I go. God is gonna bless you in the area that you're good in. If you're bad with managing money, God is not gonna give you more money until you learn how to manage what you got. God ain't going to give you no man until you learn how to take care of what you got. God ain't not going to give you a four-bedroom house till you clean up that nasty apartment. I'm sorry, guest. I meant to give a disclaimer before I got up. I'm liable to say anything. So now that you know, you know, <laughs> Jeremiah 29, my mother cringes every time I say something like that. 
Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Oh, y'all read it for yourself. Stop right there. Go ahead, read. Ready, set, read. Go. Uh huh. Uh huh. God's saying, I have thought about what I want for you. It's good. It's not evil. My plan to is to give you a future and a hope. But the problem is, y'all, we get bogged down in the middle and forget about what God said about the end. Uh, he's he's saying, I, I, I want good for you. And right now, this is the evilest time in your life. Amen. God said, I want to give you a future and a hope, and you just hoping you can make it through the day. And what God is saying is, I see beyond where you are. And all you got to do is stay on the wheel. If you stay on the wheel, I'll get you to where you need to be. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with right now. Just stay on the wheel. Look at somebody else and say, neighbor, I done already spoke to you four times already. Get over it and stay on the wheel. God already knows. What he wants for you. Number two, God already knows what is needed and how to do what needs to be done. God already knows what's needed. And he also knows how to do what needs to be done. The worst thing you can do for a cook that knows how to cook is to be messing around in their kitchen. Worse than messing around in their kitchen is going through their pots. Every cook I know that's worth their salt with a, with a crock pot will have, my, as my mama say, a hissy fit. If you in that kitchen going through their pots or in their seasoning cabinet, If I'm going to cook, you let me cook and get your behind about my kitchen. Because if it's too many cooks in the kitchen, it's going to mess some junk up. Let me handle this. That's the problem. That's the problem we have with some of our homes. Everybody trying to handle everything. And sometimes you just got to stand up and say, let me handle this. There are some things, there are some things. My wife and my son uh, get along, and then sometimes they don't get along. They get along, and then sometimes they don't get along. And in my household, I can't talk about y'all. I can talk about mine. There are some things where I have to tell my wife, hey, just be quiet and let me handle this. 
And she, as talkative, as outgoing, as strong-willed as she is, over the years has learned to do this. Let Big Daddy come and do his thing. Because there's some stuff that I can say that get, it, it happens in here. She can say some things to you and y'all are amen and amen and amen and then go behind and whisper. I get up and tell you the same thing and y'all be, yes sir, pastor. Y'all might even whisper, but you ain't gonna let me hear it. There are some things that daddy got to handle. Let me say something to the men real quick. This ain't in my notes either. I mess. I guess I got to get a bigger computer so I can put all my notes in it or something. Yeah, let me say something to the men. Men, a woman don't like no weak, punk, jelly joker. I don't care how strong they are, how loud they are, how vocal they are, how much they flap off at the gums, how much they sell wolf tickets. They want that man every now and then to put his. They may act like they don't like it while you're doing it. Women, am I lying? I know they career women, and I'm not taking anything away from the ladies. You have your career. Some of y'all manage families, careers, and all of that. And it takes a strong woman to be able to do all of that. But every now and then, they want Big Daddy to walk in the room and say, sit down. <laughs> Hush. <laughs> what I say. Got to go nowhere else, do I? That might get you blessed. Hallelujah. Now, did you hear me well? Let's add some balance. I'm not saying be abusive. I'm not saying being disrespectful. Because that's yours. God gave her to you. You better respect her or God going to give her to somebody else. So I'm not saying be abusive or disrespectful, but every now and then there are some things that I just got to handle. And just ladies, let me handle this. Conqueror Society, man up. So, many of us are in the hand of God and we're trying to do our own thing in the hand of God. And one thing I found, an object cannot design or create itself. Stop trying to help God out with his design. We're trying to help God out. God already knows what he has for us and what's down the road. God is everywhere at the same time. He sees what's going to happen. 
We so busy thinking we so smart and analyzing. Well, if I take this route, God, then this might happen. And if I do the God says, shut up. I already know I planned it. Yeah, you're going to get in trouble. Right there, I planned it because I got to teach you how to shut your mouth. Remember, I told you earlier, God's hand is always connected to his will. Uh, yes, Lord, I tell him, it's a dangerous thing to promote your own will while you're in God's hand. I'm going to say that again so you can read it. It's a dangerous thing to promote your own will while you're in God. Y'all, I maybe ask y'all read it so make sure this ain't from the hotel Bible. All right, ready? Say it again. It's a dangerous thing to promote your own will while you're in God's hand. God is not beyond a do-over. God is not beyond a do-over. I got to make it plain for you. All right? Y'all remember in the Bible, the flood? When God Creek killed everything, drowned it with water? Drip, drop, drip, drop, drip, drop. That was a do-over. Yeah, he said, okay, the people evil. I've given them chance after chance. They won't listen to me. I done had Noah down here preaching 120 years. And they didn't want to listen. They didn't want to do right. They kept doing it. They, they, they scoffed at, uh, at uh, Noah. They laughed at him. They talked about his mama. They talked about his wife and all his kids. They dogged him out. All of that. God said, all right. He opened up the heavens. He opened up the ground. Let the water come from the ground and from the heavens. And said, I'm going to do this over. Then afterward, he went to Noah and said, Noah, I ain't going to do it like this ever again. And the rainbow shall be a sign that I won't destroy the earth by water. Never again. And the quartet said it won't be water, but fire. Oh, y'all listen to quartet music too, huh? The flood was a do-over. I, I found another do-over in the Bible that really caught my attention. The golden calf was a do-over. Let me, let me show you. Let me show you. Moses is at church. Let me show you why. They were at Mount Sinai. Remember? That's the mountain of God. Wherever God is, is church. That's why we're trying to get as much God in you as possible. So wherever you are is. Moses is at church talking to God. And while Moses is talking to God, Moses doesn't notice. But God does. And he tells Moses, Moses the folks cutting the food. Paraphrasing. You might not find cutting the food in your version of the Bible, but it's right here in mine. Oh, y'all think I'm lying. Exodus 32 and 9. You got it on the screen. You got it for me, baby. Put it up. Uh, verse 9 says, And the Lord said to Moses, I have what? This people, and indeed it is 
a hard-headed people. Keep going. Now, therefore, let me alone that I may, that my wrath may burn hot against them, that I may consume them. Keep going. And I will make you. Now, let me explain this text. God says, Moses, they down there partying. They, they building another God at church. That's the Bible, y'all. Look at yours. It say that. They building another God at church. They, they doing everything. And the priest ain't doing nothing about it. Because the text says that Aaron, who was the priest, built the altar that they were going to sacrifice on. Wait, okay, Pastor, well, what were they doing? They were taking their money that God had blessed them with and giving it and melting it, giving it away from everything but God's house. See, God had given them the money out of Egypt so when they got to the promised land that they could build in the promised land. But they took the money, the tithe, and the offering that God had blessed them with and spent it on everything but God. Then, the priest who couldn't stop them, he may not have been with them, but he didn't say nothing about it. Let him do it. He said he conceded. And he built the altar. Now you got to understand that because they had lived in Egypt, they had grown accustomed to pagan worship. And pagan worship is, this, is different from Christian worship. As part of pagan worship, they had sex at the altar. In fact, they had prostitutes who were called temple prostitutes. They were hired by the church. That just in case you didn't bring something to sacrifice, they were there and for a low price of $9.99, you could get something to sacrifice on the altar. Some goddess and gods and goddesses provided that you sacrifice your seed. So they start engaging in illicit sexual activity. At church. It's in your Bible. Y'all ought to read it more. I'm trying to tell you. There's some junk in there. They were in there. They were at the bottom of God's mountain doing all of that. And Moses didn't see it. He didn't see it at first. Nobody told Moses nothing. God did. Read the text. God said, Moses, go down. I have seen what the people are doing, and they know better, but they hard-headed. And they trying to do it anyway, like I'm blind and don't see them. Moses, turn me a loose. Now, now, some of y'all read in that, that Moses, leave me. But after I uh, examined the text, that's not what it means. God told Moses, Moses, I'm asking your permission to kill him. Wait now, hold on. Wait a minute now. God is God. And beside him, there's no other. 
But God is such a thing, has such a thing about authority. He respects an order. He respects the order and authority that he established. So because he established Moses as the authority over the people, he said, Moses, let me go down there and handle some business. Let me go down there and straighten it out. Moses, if you let me, I'm finna kill up everything down there and do it over. Oh, you think I'm lying? He says, if you let me, I will wipe out that entire thing and I'll make you the promise that I made to their father Abraham. I'll start over with you. Read the text. That's what it says. He says, I'll get rid of all them. And just so that I won't be made a lie, I'll start the seed all over with you. And that I'm God, I'll never redo nothing worse than I started. I'll make you greater than I made Abraham. Can I be real for a moment? Imagine what temptation that was for Moses. These quarter dime. Don't listen to me no how. I've been having a hard time with them murmuring and complaining since we left Egypt. There wasn't enough bread. It wasn't enough quail. It wasn't no water. I got to have more water. The water don't taste good. I like bottled water. I don't like water from the tap. I don't eat quail. Quail give me gas. I need chicken. I don't like bread. That bread don't last all day. I don't like that day old bread. I like my bread. All of that. And God says, Moses, if you let me, I'll wipe them all out. Hold, I can go a step further. And start a great nation with you. That means, God, I can have all the sex I want. In order to start a great nation, I got to be fruitful and multiply, which means if I ain't had none in a while, I'm finna get plenty. Oh, y'all don't believe in being real. Y'all super spiritual. These are things that cross Moses' mind. I'm an old man, but you're telling me you finna give me some supernatural Viagra? And I'll be like the ever-ready bunny, and I keep going. Y'all will get that when you get home. So Moses is sitting here going, Moses is sitting here going, wow. God, don't do it. Give me an opportunity to save the people. Don't do it over. And God says, okay, Moses, because you said so, I will. Moses goes down. Moses says, I, God has seen everything y'all doing right here. Those of you that's on the Lord's side, come with me. Those of you that want to do what you're doing, go on over there. And after God saw them split, that was the first church split, by the way. After God saw them split, God said, I right, thank you so much. I at least can get half of them. And the Bible says that he opened the ground. 
and swallowed everything up that didn't go with Moses. It's a dangerous thing to be trying to promote your will while you in the hand of God. Let me get on out of here because I'm already over time. Jeremiah 18 and 4 said, And the vessel that he made with clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Now, I looked up the word marred. Marred means not suitable to be used. It means messed up, worthless, flawed, without value. And if you were to take off your church face uh, for about three seconds, you would realize that there are some times that life will beat you up. And although I'm the number one fan in my fan club, there are times when I feel messed up. I feel worthless. I feel without value. The thing that tripped me out about this thing was the vessel was marred. I said, well, God, how could it be marred if it's in your hand? He said, well, that could have been all kinds of outside influences. It could have been wind who blew in debris that got mixed up in the clay. And as I was molding you, I ran across debris in your life. That stuff that just blew in. It could have been a deformity in the makeup of the clay. Could have been that it was something that went on in your childhood or went on when you were younger that's affecting you even now. Maybe you didn't have a father in your life, so now you have a hard time seeing me as one. Maybe you didn't have a mother in your life, so you have a hard time receiving the nurturing that I can only give you. And although you're in my hand, you're marred, you're messed up, you got issues, you, you got problems, you got things that you're wrestling with. Some are your fault and some are not. But the thing that I came to tell you is that you may be marred. But one thing you got to be thankful for, you in his hand. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in the Lord's hands. I got a whole lot going on in my life. But I'm in the Lord's hand. I may be jacked up from the flow up. But underneath the flow is God's hand. And I'm in it. I may be wrestling with a whole lot of issues. It may be my flesh. It may be my mouth. It may be my attitude. It may be my disposition. But whatever I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with it in the Lord's hands. And as long as I'm in the Lord's hands, then I'm able to be molded and shaped into what God will have me to be. I was supposed to teach this message, but since they put me in key bread, I may as well who? Well, since I'm in the Lord's hand, I have to figure out what are the benefits from being in the Lord's hand. And then I did a little research, and I wanted to find out that if I'm going to be in his hand, what are the benefits for being in the Lord's hand? Well, if I'm in the Lord's hand, Psalm tells me that he will instruct me, that he will teach me, and that he would guide me. 
right now but go through your distress in his hands yes because one thing i know about god god will reshape you or reshape your surroundings as long as it's in his hands you know what they used to have gospel choirs they don't have them no more they got a bunch of praise teams, but when choir singing was popular, they used to sing a song, my Mary. I put it all in his hands, and we used to try to figure out what I could put in his hands. And sometimes I had went through so much that I couldn't think straight. I had so many issues, I couldn't tally them all up. So when I was asked what I'ma put in his hands, I just said this and that. I put it all in his hands. Yeah. 
I'm going on home now, on my way to my seat. But I came to tell somebody, put it in, put it in his hands. Well, Lord, put it in his hands. Whatever you're going through, come on, Mr. Hunt. You can go on and take this with you. I'm done now. Put it in his hands. Leave your attitude in his hands. Leave your disposition in his hands. If you're mad with me, so what? Put it in his hands. I guarantee you, if you put it in his hands, God will fix it for you. God will heal it for you. God will deliver it from you. Yeah, God will. He will. Take me on up. There you go. He will fix it up if you put it in his hands. Yeah, yeah. Do I have anybody that's ever had to put it in the hands of the Lord? You did all you could do with it. You thought about it all you could. You tried every plan. It didn't work out. But when you put it in the Lord's hands, you start to see it work out for you. Yeah, yeah. When you put it in his hands, people that turn their back on you started turning to you. When you put it in his hands, your money, which was funny, stop laughing and straighten up. When you put it in his hands, that relationship that was breaking apart started coming back together. When you put it in his hands, God took the broken and made it whole again. God took the raggedy and made it straight again. God took the crooked and straightened it out. It's all because I put it in his hands. I'm done now. Good evening, y'all. I preached enough. Time to go home. I put it in his hands. In his hand, he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got you and me in his hand. All the babies in his hands. He got mama and daddy in his hands. He's got the whole world, whole world in his hands. Do I have anybody that's thanking God that you're in his hands? What would have happened if you didn't have the hand of God on your life? You would have been killed in that accident. You would have been strung out on the drugs. You would have been lost in the street. You would have been still homeless. You would have been still bound. But because of the hand of the Lord, look at you. It ain't all good, but you're better than you were. And I came to tell you a secret. I've looked 
into your future and your future is better than your past as a matter of fact your future is better than your right now yeah if your now is good imagine your future if your now is bad imagine your future yeah 